in. It's a Friday afternoon. Hi, everybody. I'm Jimmy Young, the founder of Pro Cannabis Media, and this is Green Rush Live, our regularly scheduled business of cannabis talk show that we do every Friday afternoon at 4 p.m. And I am so glad again to have a full house of guests right up until six o'clock when we will be running our weekly Weed Talk News show. And unfortunately, Elena Pinto is on vacation, so if you are going to watch that new show, you have to suffer with me. Joining me is my guest host this Friday afternoon and many Friday afternoons, Josh Kincaid from Washington State, Doug Miller from New Jersey, and since this is the third Friday of the month, Morgan Fox joins us from Normal in Washington, D.C. Guys, thank you all for coming. I want to go right to Morgan and talk a little bit about what's going on in Washington, D.C., and if you can explain why the District of Columbia continues to have to deal with the United States government regarding their own cannabis laws. Well, this is actually a a long uh, history regarding uh, cannabis and uh, it being stymied by Congress. Uh, going back all the way to the 90s when district residents uh, overwhelmingly approved a uh, ballot initiative to allow for uh, medical cannabis. Um, This was almost immediately halted by Congress because uh, since the district is not a state, um, Congress has basic control over its entire budget for the most part and uh, can prevent it from uh, expending resources on a number of things. So immediately a congressional rider went into effect that uh, stopped the district from being able to uh, implement its medical cannabis program uh, for uh, more than 10 years. Um, Interestingly enough, the uh, author of the original rider to prevent that, uh, then Congressman Bob Barr, uh, after retiring, had a complete about face and then became a uh, staunch supporter of medical cannabis. In fact, uh, you know, oftentimes working with groups like Marijuana Policy Project and others uh, in order to help overturn prohibition. Um, interesting that these changes of heart tend to happen uh, after people are out of office or retired. Um, so, you know, fast forward in uh, 2014, district residents once again voiced overwhelming support for making cannabis legal for adults. Um, this was able to go into effect because it did not actually require the use of any resources in order to implement it. Um, however, uh, almost immediately, uh, Representative Andy Harris from Maryland uh, instituted or attempted to and was successful in instituting a rider that prevented the uh, the DC government from actually regulating adult use cannabis sales. Uh, and this rider is still in place to this day. Um, so DC has been in a situation where cannabis is legal for adults uh, outside of its robust medical system, which has uh, dispensaries and has compliance testing and whatnot. Um, there hasn't been, haven't been any legal adult use sales. And because Congress continues to institute this rider, it makes it uh, very difficult for the city to be able to regulate the system. And what we've seen is the uh, development of a huge uh, um, unregulated but very professional market uh, for adult use sales. And um, the city government is not interested in enforcing prohibition against these groups. So what they've been doing is trying to find workarounds in order to bring them into the fold and make them regulated, uh, but in a way that does not destroy the existing medical system. And so, um, you know, there have been a lot of different ways that they've tried to do that, such as allowing patients to self-certify, expanding the patient uh, uh, condition list to any condition for which a a physician feels is uh, appropriate. Um, And uh, very recently, 
uh, passing uh, emergency measures to help license some of these uh, existing gray market businesses um, and make sure that they're in compliance with all of the other things involving uh, a, a standard business, just not necessarily a cannabis license. But there are efforts underway to do that as well and license them as uh, medical cannabis businesses, you know, greatly uh, expand the, uh, the license cap on uh, the uh, existing medical stores to allow for more room for all of these businesses that already exist. Um, very recently, um, well, in, in addition to that, any law that the city council passes and that is signed by the mayor has to go through congressional review for 30 days. And uh, what happened uh, most recently is that a, a bill that the city council had passed uh, to help expedite expungement and uh, relief for uh, people convicted of uh, marijuana charges within the district going back for quite a few years um, uh, are, are going to uh, begin to uh, uh, to be moving a little bit faster and make it a lot easier for the people that uh, actually want to get them. Um, Congress did not interfere with that. And so when the uh, 30 days was up earlier this week, it became law. So now district residents who have a uh, uh, charge or conviction are going to find it much easier to be able to uh, expunge that. All right. That's good news. <laughs> that is good news. There was some bad news, and I'm not sure which one. I think Doug and Josh both are going to fight over who wants to ask him about the bank failures and the subsequent impact on the cannabis industry yeah josh i'm gonna let i'm gonna put point to you josh and let you handle that and then doug you can handle the uh the stock market reaction uh, go ahead josh well can i ask a follow-up question about dc sure because what, what i heard was in order to get anything done they have to go through the mayor and then the mayor goes to congress is that right versus yeah. somewhere like puerto rico who also doesn't have congressional representation so how does it work when how does it work for the people to get something done? Well, DC is treated a little bit differently than territories are. Um, but basically, city council has to uh, approve something um, and then the mayor can sign it um, or not. And then city council can override if they need to. And then it has to go for congressional review for 30 days. Um, in addition, uh, every year when the appropriations process happens in Congress, um, the committees in charge of overseeing the district's functioning in Congress can add all sorts of riders and restrictions on what the district is allowed to spend money on. And by spending money, that even means, uh, you know, a, a city employee sending an email to somebody. Yeah, okay. So there, there are several layers of control that Congress has over the district. And, you know, very recently we saw a situation where um, city council uh, overrode the mayor and sent a uh, a bill for review in Congress that would uh, drastically overhaul the uh, the district's criminal justice system, um, and uh, you know that was uh, not supported by Republicans. Uh, a number of Democrats opposed it as well, and uh, uh, President Biden actually signed the disapproval measure uh, against it, effectively killing that uh, that reform that City Council was able to pass with uh, flying colors. Um, so that's really indicative that, you know, despite the fact that, uh, you know, the president is in favor of uh, some forms of uh, uh, cannabis policy reform and is in favor of uh, criminal justice reform generally, uh, he is uh, willing to override the rights of the uh, residents of the District of Columbia. Uh, that's also why uh, the president included the uh, the Harris Rider that prevents D.C. from effectively regulating adult use cannabis uh, in the budget that he sent to Congress. So basically, so uh, real quick, John, I'm sorry. So basically, you're saying in Washington, D.C., the people really don't even have a choice of what they want, because at the end of the day, it has to go through a mayor 
then council, and then Congress, which good luck trying to get it through right. there. It'll never, they'll never have adult use if that's how it works. Yeah. And I mean, the fact that uh, we don't have any senators here and we only have one delegate in uh, in the House uh, makes it very hard for district residents to actually have a voice in uh, federal government. Um, it's uh, it's a really unfair system. It's almost like they don't exist in the country, but yet they're still part of the state. So like, that's kind of wild. I never knew that's how it operated there. Thanks for that insight. All right. So who's going to ask the banking question, guys? Come on. I'll kick it off because I, I think it's interesting um, with COVID that happened over the last three years and how that really killed a lot of bills uh, in Washington, where it's a class C felony to maintain and operate a, a cannabis lounge. Um, do you do you see this Silicon Valley Bank and um, Credit Suisse and everything in, in between as potentially killing reform for banking? Mm-hmm. No, not at all. Um, you know, I think it's uh, more of a delay issue because it's going to keep the uh, uh, Senate Financial Services Committee very busy um, for at least the foreseeable future. Um, and this is one of those things that keeps happening again and again um, in Congress because cannabis is still a relatively low priority issue for most members of Congress. Uh, and there are so many things happening outside of cannabis that uh, demand the attention of lawmakers uh, at a much higher level, uh, oftentimes uh, cannabis issues get pushed to the side. It's not necessarily that it's setting them back, more, uh, but rather it's just delaying them. You know, they get uh, they get um, backburnered. And and with that said, and going into the stocks and SVB collapsing, do you think um, Congress will basically like bail out the? banking industry so wouldn't you think it would be if they bow them out that the cannabis industry would have a strong foot to get into banking federally because of all the the cash flow that it could actually help the banks with so (laughs) it's like the congress wants to kind of help the banks out but at the same time a way to really help them out and help the cannabis industry is federally legal legalize cannabis and allow us to use the banking system because it will it'll explode cash into the system like they've never seen before do you think that would ever happen because of the situation right now i mean i don't know if it would explode cash into the scene when you're comparing it with uh you know global industries but you know to be cynical about it um, i think that there's a lot more members of congress who have investments in a lot of these banks than who have investments in the cannabis industry all right there was another thing that happened this week down in dc and it has to do with hemp derived cbd morgan uh, a representative morgan griffith republican from virginia and angie craig a democrat from minnesota introduced two bills that would require the fda to be regulating hemp-derived cannabidiol, which is CBD, and basically um, establish regulations for CBD as a food and beverage additive. Any shot at this passing? That's tough to tell. Um, Honestly, I think that um, that issue might actually be dealt with in the farm bill before any sort of standalone, narrowly tailored legislation is uh, is able to pass. Um, You know, I think it really depends on... um, 
Really? I mean, I think that uh, one of the big factors that uh, uh, I'm really concerned about for any sort of cannabis or cannabinoid legislation is being able to make space and time on the congressional schedule. And this goes back to the thing I was talking about, where there are lots of things happening outside of cannabis that are taking time away in a, what is a, really a very uh, short legislative window uh, with a very few number of days to actually get business done. Um, and that can present uh, serious problems. Can I throw in a, a, a rip at the government then? Because they're more concerned. They, they're more concerned about keeping their place in Congress than they are dealing and representing the people that put them there. And there, there's a <laughs> there's so many issues that cannabis is right in the middle of. But are we at, law, at least encouraged that perhaps some regulations of CBD may actually happen? five years after the farm bill passed, Morgan? Well, I'll tell you, I think that uh, if it requires FDA action, it's going to require an act of Congress to give them a, a, a steady timeline, because if left to their own devices, the FDA has shown time and again that is willing to punt on this issue. Um, but going back to what you said before, I think that, uh, you know, there are two sides to that coin. You know, um, the fact that, uh, you know, I think a lot of members of Congress are realizing that it's going to be very difficult for them to get anything done legislatively during this session uh, because of the fact that, you know, we've got a, a bicameral divide by party and then each uh, very narrow majorities in each chamber uh, means that it's going to be largely deadlock, I think, for most of this session. And cannabis policy reform is something that I think a lot of people on both sides of the aisle are uh, starting to realize is a not particularly controversial issue when you look at voter support. It's something where they can show the American people that they can reach across the aisle and work together to actually accomplish laws that do benefit people's lives. That would be refreshing. <laughs> you know, it would be refreshing. I want to see more of that. I just don't know if it's going to happen. I, I, I'm not confident. And I'm, as you guys know, I'm not a big fan of the two-party system either. Everybody has so much money in politics instead of money going to things that can help people that need it the most. And right now, the whole country is dealing with this runaway inflation. They haven't quite moved that the the, inter, the Fed hasn't moved the interest level at all uh, because they're afraid of what happened with the two banks this week. Uh, Doug, you've told me that you think, forget recession, you're going right into a depression. And well, bank a failure is part now. of that. We're in a recession now. We hit a recession in August of 2022. They wanted to change the definition. You can't change definitions and you don't change the charts. And I mean, I'm telling you, it's going to run because all, what happened, they're going to print more cash. Everything's going to take a run right back to the top real quick and then forget it. I mean, what they just did is setting up for failure and a disaster and it's going to happen. I mean, I, mean I, I pretty much have called everything for the last what, five, six years on the dot. And it's, it's just setting up to be wild. I mean, I keep saying it's something we're never going to see. Nobody's ever been alive is going to see what's going to happen in our financial system. And uh, they have no idea. They're just, they're just lolly dollying around our we have an, a literally an absent administration when you have something this serious going on you have to step in and figure it out like you need solutions fast and there's nothing going on i mean it's just emptiness and it scares me i'm not gonna lie because i look at these charts every day very i mean i pinpoint them and i really really 
go crazy about it and uh it drives me nuts because you can literally see what's going to happen and it's scary i'm telling you i, I don't josh how do you feel about the the whole scene in uh with with doug shoot, putting fingers at the administration which by the way is exactly what the administration is there for to be blamed for everything i don't care if it's a democrat or a republican that's you know everybody points the finger at, at the administration and i'm not quite sure that any leader right now could do anything with what's going on in Congress. Josh? Well, I, I think they they are. Um, they just haven't, like, told us about it yet. It's it's kind of like a, the movie's being made, but they haven't released the trailer. Um, the central bank digital coin story is going to come out. It's in the making. They're going to launch it next year. 2024 is is coming so in the meantime let them eat cake you know breads and circuses so that's the that's the positive side as we'll all be distracted and entertained in the meantime hey morgan um do you have anything to add with that more because you're right in the middle of it I, I mean is the government functioning right now i mean as much as government has ever functioned uh, i'm not an economist so i'm not going to weigh in on what yeah. should be done about the bank issue fair enough that's fair enough. Um, you know that the bank issue don't kind of reflects what happens in the stock market. Everybody gets all freaked out about it. I mean, there was actually uh, a lot of media talk about It's a Wonderful Life and the scene in that movie with the bank run. I mean, that's kind of scary when you look at what was done in black and white film decades ago, repeating itself in modern times. I, I, I was a little freaked by that analogy. Who, but who uh, was uh, crowding up the counters to uh, get their money back? It wasn't average <laughs> people. It was VC capitalists. <laughs> that, that, no, but we saw, I saw people in lines out in California wanting to make sure that the FDIC was going to step in with their under 250000 You know, you're, you're guaranteed for that uh, in, in your bank if you have that in the bank. Uh, and I did see people lining up, but no, it wasn't it wasn't as dramatic as the movie, because after all, the movie was fictional. <laughs> but it sometimes does reflect on what is going on um, in in our in our times at this point in in Washington, d c. Yeah, considering um, I, most people don't necessarily know where their next meal is coming from or have less than a couple hundred bucks in the bank, uh, I think a little bit of uncertainty among the uh, the people that have significantly more than that might be a healthy thing. Yeah, I, I'm not going to, again, I'm going along for the ride on this because uh, I don't matter. Anyway, I do want to ask, uh, Morgan, we lost, we being the cannabis industry, lost a, a a tremendous figure this week in science and research from Israel named Raphael Meshulam. And a little bit later on the show, we'll talk with Dr. Marion McNabb, who is a, uh, was friends with, with Dr. Meshulam, Professor Meshulam. Um, what is the reaction? Was there any reaction at all in the cannabis circles in the lobby world down in Washington, D.C. to uh, losing Raphael Meshulam this week? I mean, certainly in the advocacy world, there was. Uh, you know, you'd be hard pressed to find anybody who's uh, been in this field for more than a handful of years who hasn't uh, you know, been uh, uh, touched by his work or met him or seen him uh, uh, you know, give speeches in various places. Uh, you know, the guy was just a powerhouse and a true pioneer uh, doing research on cannabis at a time when uh, it was uh, legally very dangerous to do so. Um, and, uh, you know, him leading the way and, uh, you know, 
really exhibiting quite a bit of bravery to do this research that nobody else wanted to do and that people did not want him to do, I think really paved the way for a lot of other cannabinoid scientists out there and uh, really uh, provided a lot of information that was helpful both for individual consumers, but also for advocates to be able to point to and say, uh, you know, look, this is a misunderstood uh, plant and uh, the, uh, the things that you're telling people about it are patently false. Right. And that was, uh, and I, the nice thing about this, when a, when a great man passes away, and he was 92, um, the obits come up with the stories about the person and, and give you a little better feel for, you know, what it took, what kind of risks this guy took in the 60s when he tried to bring in hash into his country to study. And uh, needless to say, it kind of got a little attention uh, back in back in the 60s, but he he believed in it. He wanted to find out what was going on inside this plant. And uh, if you know anything at all about cannabinoids and, and the endocannabinoid system, this is the guy that was the first one in to, to look at it all. And um, certainly a fascinating life uh, celebrated now uh, that he is gone. Um, Morgan, any last thoughts? No, can't think of anything. Um, just remember, uh, everybody, uh, keep contacting your lawmakers and tell them to prioritize cannabis policy reform. Um, you know, we know that there are a lot of other issues that they have to deal with, but this is one that's important to the American people and one that is relatively low-hanging fruit where there's a lot of room for agreement. Yeah, there you go. That's Morgan Fox from our friends down in Washington, D.C. and the National Organization of Reform of Marijuana Laws. Morgan, thank you for joining us again and being as consistent as you are every third Friday of the month, even sometimes when we forget that it's the third Friday of the month. So uh, appreciate your, your promptness and joining us on the show. Thanks, guys. All right. So we are at 420 on a Friday afternoon and I don't want to be in this chair any more than anybody out there who's watching it. Anyway, that's the way I feel. We are going to take a break. We are going to open up to a interesting dynamic that happened uh, here in New England. And it has to do with the fact that uh, we had a dispensary fail, went into receivership. And now there's all sorts of ways. Uh, a precedent, I believe, has been set now. And we'll talk to the folks up in Maine at... Uh, at the um, Opus Consulting Group with Jacques Santucci when we come back from our regular Friday afternoon 420 break. Don't go away. Green Rush Live continues after this. With that, we're going to roll this one up. I'm Josh Kincaid. This is The Talking Hedge. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe, or don't, and I'm out. Don't forget to smash that like button on your way out and check out these other videos that we've got. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Tune into a major journey podcast today, where guests take listeners on journeys and immerse themselves in the roller coaster ride both in and out of the cannabis space that brought them to where they are today. Throughout our conversations, guests share valuable lessons that they've learned along the way that listeners can use to empower growth both in their personal and professional lives. Check out A Major Journey today on all major podcast platforms.